What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It's tough to say because um, the days we, we score a lot of runs, you know, most of those days right now, we're giving up a lot of runs. You know, it's just the bad combinations. Um, it's too hard to pinpoint one thing. We have a lot of guys over here who are great players. And um, unfortunately, you know, we're looking at middle of June. We, we still haven't put it together. Uh, the positive parts of keep battling back, guys really frustrated for them because you could tell how much, you know, they put into getting back in that game and trying to cover some things that we were deficient at. And uh, finally pushed through with Tommy, and we just couldn't push that other one across. And obviously we're short down the bullpen and uh, so part of it, we knew we were going to have to score some runs today and we did. And I, was, I was proud of that so that's what I take out of it is you know the way that you know I, I just it's frustrating for me and everybody to not see these guys get a return for you know how much they're trying to get back to what uh, you know we, we could do as a team. How do you characterize just the, the feel of the room right now I mean, we're we're frustrated. I mean, you can sense it. You you see us. Um, we're not playing well. We know it. We're a good team. We're just not doing what we need to do. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday, June the 19th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as risingapple.com. Welcome to another edition of the show. Happy Father's Day, late Father's Day to everybody in the audience. Hope you had a great weekend. Pretty much going to be doing a State of the Union here, having maybe a tough conversation, not a surprising conversation with all of you. After another disappointing week, disappointing especially the Scherzer start, Subway Series, and a very disappointing weekend against the Cardinals. Two in, what, two and three homestand here for the Mets. Not the kind of homestand if you're trying to climb back into a wild card race you want to have. But first, I want to talk to Mets fans in New York, as I always do, because as I say weekly, we have an offer from Caesar Sportsbook that you don't want to miss. New customers, listen to this, new customers get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,250. All you have to do is use our code 
Talking Mets full. Remember, do not put the G after Talking Mets at sign up. If you sign up with our code Talking Mets full, you will not only have your first bet insured, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast. So, if you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, join with our code Talking Mets full and drop your first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and over and physically present in New York. That's very important. Please gamble responsibly. If you or your loved one has a gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. See podcast description for full terms. Thank you again for supporting the Talking Mets podcast. So let's get back to business here. You heard Tommy Pham on the way in. You heard Buck Showalter on the way in. You heard David Robertson. And when you hear these post-game clips... You're at a point where you can't glean a lot from these clips. Nothing positive, of course. And you can't criticize a team that coming at coming out of spring training, coming into this season, would never have imagined that they'd be in the situation they'd be in. It sounds like a group that really at this point is scratching their heads saying, we're not sure what we can do. We know we have some talent here. We know we're expected to win, but you're at that inflection point where you quite simply are out of ways to describe how this is going to get better. So short of saying we hope it's going to get better, which nobody wants to hear, you have Buck talking about positives, about them battling back, and nobody wants to hear that. You hear Tommy Pham, you hear Robertson saying we're better than this, so... Now we're at this point, 33 and 38, closing in at the end of June. I had told everybody that come July 4th, there was really a point there where you had to say to yourself, is this happening? And the switch from getting yourself in a position through the All-Star break to make a run, and let's forget the division. I've been telling you for weeks I thought the division was a pipe dream. They were not playing good enough for that. They were not built over the long haul, I felt to compete at that level. You know, you have to play a very high level, 95-plus win level, to compete in this division with the Braves, and quite simply, the Mets aren't able to do that. And I didn't feel that this was the type of team coming out of spring training that because of some of the things they needed to work through and the loss of Diaz, that they were going to be able to do that over the long haul. I thought it was more of a get-into-the-playoffs-sneak-into-the-tournament type of team. But now you're heading to Houston, you're heading to Philadelphia, five games under 500. You can't have any kind of, and we've said this for again for weeks, serious conversation about postseason until you're 500. And you start to ask yourself after, and I think the, the Scherzer start against the Yankees is a synopsis of this season. All the hope, a lot of good things happening, you have the right players in the right position to bring it home, and they quite simply don't execute. I mean, I sat there watching that start and saw hanging slider after hanging slider after hanging slider, and I saw mediocre hitters, and quite honestly, he's a mediocre hitter, and Anthony Volpe, I don't care how many all-star games you think he's going to have in the future. You know, here's a guy that easily could have been blown away by a Scherzer fastball just teeing off on Scherzer and giving up a a four-run lead. Was it a 4-1 or 5-1 lead? Whatever it was that they had at the time. 
And I thought that game was the first time. And I know they rebounded and they came back and they had a nice win in the game too, the Subway Series. And then it looked promising at the beginning of the weekend against the Cardinals, a team that is in last place, but similar to the Mets, has had so much bad things happen in one-run games. Remember we talked about those one-run games with the Marlins last year. You turn around, all of a sudden, got a team like Miami at 10 games over five hundred. Cardinals, I think, kind of fall into that. They're not as bad as their record indicates, but the Mets should beat them. The Mets should beat them at home. So you start to see the start, you know, and what happened against the Yankees. You see what happens this weekend. And then you start looking at just simple math. And you say, all right, you know, we've been talking about, hey, who cares about the regular season? The important thing is going to be about making the playoffs. This team is built for the tournament. You could get into the playoffs with that 85, 86, 87, 88 wins. You saw what the Phillies did last year. But the sobering part about that now is that you want to just get to 85 wins. 52 and 39 is the minimum this team needs to go starting right now to make that happen. And they have not played. And I don't think that's an impossible record. I mean, you told me in spring training, can this team over a stretch of that many games go 52 and 39? Excuse me. Yeah, 52 and 39. You were going to say fine. Yeah, they could they could do that. That's not asking a lot. You'd probably be slightly disappointed, to be to be quite frank with you. But we now have a long enough sample size, nearly three months. The 4th of July is right around the corner where they've never shown the capacity to do that. They, they sometimes beat good teams, but they struggle, and especially on the road against good teams. They're no lock to go on a run against softer parts of the schedule. You saw that when they played Detroit and Cincinnati and what have you. The pitching, just when you think it's turning the corner, falls back. The offense, you go up and down that lineup, the inconsistency. You have a bunch of guys on this uh, team right now that are below league average hitters. I mean, just this morning, you pop up baseball reference. That's all you have to do. Just pop up baseball reference. McNeil below league average. Lindor below league average. We all love Beatty. Well below league average. Hasn't hit for a month. Starling Marte hitting better, but below league average. Everybody blames Vogelback. Those guys are just as statistically impotent at the plate as Vogelback. I mean, where would you be without Tommy Pham? I mean, Tommy Pham was picked up in January and has been one of their better hitters and was critically important while Alonzo was out. And then you go to the starting rotation. I mean, I criticize Senga. I think Senga has his warts. I want Bassett, this and that. It's been the best. Senga's been the best pitcher and most consistent pitcher despite some of the dips in performance with the walks and getting hit against the Blue Jays. And he was okay against the Cardinals on Saturday. But Singer's at the top of the league in strikeouts, at the top of the league in opponents, batting average against. The walks are bad. He's probably one of the worst in baseball with the walks. But he's actually been the best. You've got Scherzer, Verlander, below league average. Carrasco doing what you've always known, that against a good offense, he's going to get hit a little bit. Forget about the kids, Peterson McGill. You, one day they're great. The next day you don't even think they could get Triple A hitters out, and you have yourself a situation where if you told me all that coming out of spring training, I, I actually think thirty three and thirty eight would have been optimistic. Forget about fifty two and thirty nine. And then I saw this on Twitter. Someone posted this, these numbers on Twitter, and these actually 
tell you how far things have fallen from last year. We knew the the 101 wins last year. Everything fell into place. You know, you win 100 plus games. There's a lot of perfect in those kind of seasons. But when the Mets score seven runs this year, they're 10 and six. Last year, they were 44 and two. I didn't even, I mean, when you scored 10 runs, you should win the ball game. You should win the ball game. The fact that they even lost two last year, I remember one, I think it was in San Francisco. I can't remember the other one. But this year, they're 10 and six. They've lost six games where they've scored seven runs or more. When they scored six runs last year, they were 55 and four. In 2023, they're 12 and 10. So you have 16 losses already when you've scored six or more runs. Scoring five runs, they were 76 and five last year. They're 22 and 13. When scoring four runs, this is the key. This tells you everything this team was. They were 87 and eight when they scored four runs. Not a tremendous amount this year. They're 26 and 17. And obviously, there's a bunch of shutouts and things. You can't do nothing about that. They've been shut out and swept more this year already than they were all of last year. So you look at that, and yeah, the offense has been inconsistent and at times bad. But even with all that, it comes back to what the team was built on. Strong starting pitching, getting six outs from the middle of that bullpen, and handed to Diaz. All right, Diaz is gone. Robertson has been, I mean, you look at Robertson's numbers here. 11 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts per nine, 1.72 ERA, 244 ERA plus. You know, Diaz had an all-time year last year, but you couldn't expect him to be perfect. I said, hey, be prepared. Diaz has a big contract now. He's going to blow games. He's not, he's not God. He's not perfect. I mean, you would take those numbers from from Diaz if that was Diaz. So it's not like he hasn't been in that elite closer pantheon. Now you, you've pulled other guys out of their leverage situations, and maybe you're using Adovino a little bit more in spots than you want, and Brigham and Rayleigh and guys like that, and then you're throwing in the Dominic Leones and John Curtis's of the world. But the bullpen's actually been okay. With all the overwork, you look up on the bullpen, they haven't been top of the league, but they haven't been bad. And I'll think about it, if this bullpen wasn't as good as it is, where would they be? So, all this adds up to nothing's indicating that the rest of this season is going to get any better. And when you really start to peel the onion here and are, and are honest with yourself, you're incorporating a couple of young players into the lineup. Beatty and Alvarez. And they're going to have to take their lumps. You know, They're not Wright and Reyes who come in and their careers take off from day one. I mean, even a guy like like Wright and Reyes, they had some bumps. Not many, but not everybody's like that. That's why those guys were special. You're still going to need the development of Senga into the American game. He seems to be catching on. But there's still going to be bumps there. You have these other two guys, McGill and Peterson. Peterson at this point, who knows when we'll see him. McGill drives you crazy, pitches great on Friday, and he's liable to give up eight or nine runs his next start. I believe it'll probably be in Philadelphia. You don't know what you're going to get. And then the big question is, and why they really are where they are, is the two 40-year-old future Hall of Famers. I mean, if you put 
Scherzer and Carrasco next to each other, they're the same pitcher this year. Can't get good teams out, inconsistent, get beat around on the road. One minute you're seeing seven strong innings, the next minute you can't get out of the third. And Verlander's not too far behind on that. Now, we know all the upside. You look up and down this lineup. You look up and down this rotation. You say, well, Scherzer's not done. He's got to get better. There's a lot of good in there. This this team could go on a crazy run. Same with Verlander. There's a lot of good in there. And do you really think McNeil and Lindor are below league average hitters? And, you know, Ken is coming around. He's still a little bit more he could give. You know, Nimmo's doing what you expect out of him. And, and Starling Marti's starting to hit the ball hard. If you take out that early first month. Has he been better? You know, let's look at it real quick right now. I mean, he's been better. Let's try to let's try to be positive here. Let's try to see if there's there's something there, you know. And you look at Marte, and uh, you know, let me bring up his main numbers here. Of course, anytime I need to get something quick, I, I can't. Yeah, I mean, you know, even though he's been better since April, but he's, slightly, he's got OPS is under. 700. He's not hitting for any power. He's hitting 286 this month. I mean, his batting average has gone way up, but he's not hitting much more for power. So you get to the point now where everybody's waiting for the run. And I don't just, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, I promised July 4th about waving the white flag. So we're not there yet, but we're not far away. And I will tell you, this week is a huge week. If they go out, and you could see a scenario where, what do you got, three games in Houston, three games in Philadelphia. You could see another two and four road trip. And then at that point, you go you know, seven games under. You're staring at closer to 10 now than 500. You got to start to say, you know, that's a month of good baseball and at this point, you probably don't see 500 till the All-Star break. We said that could possibly work. But you start going to 10 under, you're not getting to 500 till August. And I'll tell you what, uh, by that time you get to 500, a lot of the muck, the middle of the pack wildcard teams, are are playing you know significantly better baseball. And you, you got to jump a lot of teams, and you got a lot of teams in the mix. It makes winning hard. I know what happened in 2019. The Mets went on that crazy. They played like the 86 Mets at that level in the second half of the season. Wound up winning, what, 86 or 87 games at that point, but fell short because, well, there wasn't three wild cards, but because you can only sustain that so long. You you know, this team has not shown that they could play 600 baseball for any stretch, even for more than maybe a 10-game stretch. Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. 
I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co So now you're looking at a club, and I know everybody started to look at Billy Epler's resume back from his Anaheim days. And this club does resemble a lot of what Epler oversaw in Anaheim. 77 and 80 wins, underachieving, some stars, and historically, the pitching. Each, And I went back, each of Epler's seasons in Anaheim, the, the, the Angels staffs were were usually below league average, significantly in some cases, but at best league average. So he's never really overseen good pitching. And the pitching this year resembles a lot of what you saw in Anaheim. So where's the 180 coming from? You, you don't have any help. You saw the help that you're going to get from AAA. Maybe there's a couple of guys, you know, we could see as the season moves on that could get – provide you some help, maybe, you know, 10 days, 14 days, you know, if you need to plug it on offense. I don't see any starting pitching help that'll be available this year. You're going to have to go out and get it. What are you going to give up to get it? Teams know that you're in a position with the payroll, with the owner and the city, the media, that you need to win, so they're not going to give it to you for a song and a dance. They're probably not going to want to help you in general. And with extra wild cards, it's harder to see teams waving the white flag and tearing it apart. But we have to start being real honest about what comes next because what comes next, especially in the next two or three months, will set the tone for the next couple of years. And I'm going to use the R word. Now, I'm not ready to say this team needs to rebuild because that is a big commitment. We've talked about that in the past where their best chance to win in that two or three year window while they're building up that farm system was right now. 
in that once you lose a Scherzer and Verlander, if you don't have acceptable, good replacements, I'm not expecting Hall of Famers, but really good pitching, you know, you could go into a downwards turn maybe for a couple of years while somebody comes available on the free agent market, the trade market, or you start to build up your own rotation. We may be at that point a little sooner than we wanted to be. You figured throughout the Verlander-Scherzer contract that you were going to be high-level competitive. Well, if Verlander and Scherzer aren't any good and are below league average to league average pitchers, very expensive in that case, well, that changes the dynamic. Now, I think the Mets may want to retool, and I think we've heard earlier in the year some rumblings that even if they were in the wild-card muck, in a, let's say they were 500 above 500, maybe even if they were in the position that the Marlins were 10 over, it wasn't a situation where they were going to go out unless it was a big, big, big game changer and start ripping the farm system up for a big deal. And who knows if a big deal, I don't know, you know, the fact that people thought Otani might be available in a trade is a pipe dream. Anaheim's, Anaheim's not going to just trade him. I mean, they would, if someone gave them a big haul, maybe. But it's not a realistic trade in season, especially with his free agency status. There's no Juan Soto out there. So you, there was going to be component trades from the start, which is going to drive everybody nuts. And anybody you bring in, and I hate to sound like you know Billy Epler, this probabilistic world, we go back to that. Anybody you bring in is going to be around the fringes helping you. It's not going to change the dynamic. 180. You know, everybody says, hey, look what the Braves did with Solar and Eddie Rosario and and Duvall and bringing those guys in a couple of years back. Okay, that could happen. But, you know, to rely on that and to think that that's going to happen or that's the norm, it's just not realistic. You can't plot your team. You can't build your team on that. So I think the real point here is this. You've got basically 10 more days here to two weeks before you really start having a serious conversation about being sellers. And we're close. We're real close. I'm not ready to use the R word that you thought I was going to use, which is rebuild, retool. I think both having Scherzer and Verlander on no trade clauses with the kind of money they're making, I don't know what you're going to get from another team for those guys. You're asking a team to take on money. You're asking those guys to waive their no trade clause. And you're asking the team, the team to give up a bit of a haul that could help you for the future for pitchers that, quite honestly, they're looking at it. Well, I could probably get that kind of guy way cheaper. I mean, what's the difference between Scherzer and Verlander, the way they performed, and a Kyle Gibson type, other than the name and the back of the baseball card and the fact that the back of the baseball card makes you feel like they could be better? But everything in front of you says they can't. The Yankees start by Scherzer's synopsis of the season. Think about it. Promise, everything's set up the right way. Wild dis- disappointment in execution. Now you could go out and you got to start thinking, what can I get for fam? Maybe you trade Robertson. Maybe you trade Adovino. These are guys that could get you some value. You know, the, the the part that you don't want to do is just dumb contracts. Mets are not in a bad payroll situation. I mean, that's really the part you have to take away positively here. It's not like you have, outside of Lindor, you really, 
and the Mets have been really good. You know, Alderson was good when he was temporarily here. Epler has been careful outside of the Lindor contract, which was not even Epler. That was Cohen and Alderson. The only contract that you have, well, two contracts you have, are Marte, you have, of course, Nimmo, and and Diaz that are long-term. You know, Diaz and Nimmo may become bad contracts in three or four years, but by that point, you're seeing the end of it. You're getting the heart of their prime in those contracts. Marte, who's late prime, has a couple of years left now. He might be a problem because, you know, of his health and whatnot. But you really don't have anything that's hamstringing you. Verlander and Scherzer, after next year, are out. You're going to have $90 million freed up. And that's the point. You almost have to try to retool. You have to stay within this Scherzer-Verlander contract. You have to try to compete and stay within that until the end of next year when both of them are off. Now, I think Scherzer has a player option unless he's unless he wants to retire. You know, do what Mike, Michael Kadire did after 2015, which is very rare. I, I can't see, you know, he's if he goes out like I can't see him wanting to go out like this. I see the guy say, hey, look, I'm going to give this one more year. I'm going to give it my all. See where I'm at. Even if he has a great year next year, maybe he retires. Maybe he says, that's it. I've had enough. Same with Verlander. I mean, Verlander has a contract, so there's nothing you could do there. But you've got to compete. But you can't be irresponsible. So the R word that I'm using is retool. And I think we're close to that. And I think you got to look up and down this roster and say to yourself, okay, who do I, you know, who's part of the core? You're not trading Lindor. I've seen some people talk about Alonzo and say, you know, he's a free agent. He's got one more year. He's a free agent after that. That's the kind of guy you could do something big and give a haul. Do I put it out there and think about it? I think everything's on the table. I don't want to trade Pete Alonzo. I want them to sign him. I think it's going to be really difficult for the Mets to go to full rebuild, new owner, competitive landscape. Uh, You go into a five-year rebuild, a a Houston Astros-Chicago Cubs rebuild, which there is reason to believe that might be necessary. At some point, they haven't done that. Remember, the Mets haven't gone full rebuild since 1993, if you think about it. Think about the history year of the Mets. You had the worst team money can buy. They tore it down. They were, you know, going straight youth, 94, 95, 96. And then Bobby Valentine came in, and they knew they had an opportunity here because they weren't that bad. They had some parts. And then they had the late 90s where they brought in veterans and then even when things dropped off after 2002, they were bad in 03, 04. They were, they, were, they were believing that they had enough around them to stay competitive. Manaya comes in, more free agents. And then, yeah, you had the purgatory post-Madoff, but they didn't rip those teams down. They were like in that 75 to 77 win bandwidth where if they had invested in some of those teams, they might have been able to make a run at a wild card. They just didn't have the money there. And then you had the pitchers come, the World Series. And since the World Series in 2015, even when things didn't look great, they always were trying to build off the fact, well, we have these young starters, we have these young pitchers. So now you're at a point where you really don't have those young starters anymore. Yeah, you have Alonzo and Alvarez as maybe your two big power bats. but You don't know what Alvarez is. I mean, you could make an argument here. And maybe I want to hear from you guys at some point. Are you willing to say, let's rip it up, let's tear it down, 
you know, and rebuild. I mean, imagine that. You have a five-year rebuild. It'll be, you know, the Yankees have their Horace Clark era. This would become known as the Francisco Lindor era. I mean, the poor guy will be murdered here for everything. So I don't know if I'm ready to do that. That's on the table to look at. I think you have to try to retool responsibly for next year. I don't think you really go out and bring any reinforcements. In two weeks, if you're where you are, unless there's a big run in the next two weeks that changes the conversation, really by the 4th of July, this has to be, they have to be a 500 or better, and they have to show signs that there's some consistency coming here. And if they're not at that, you have to do, you have to start looking at those names to, to, to trade. Now, I think Alonzo, depending on the package, that's a bigger commitment. That's turning more into rebuild mode. I just don't see them doing that. And when you have an owner who is willing to spend, maybe the, the thought is we really don't have to do that because we could always spend money to beef up the roster and compete. But the real honest conversation, and I don't think any of us are going to know that, forget Anybody who has a minor league website or does prospect lists or whatever it may be, you really don't know what's down there. The low A, the high A. I see everybody getting crazy. They see some of the success with the players that were, were sent to Cincinnati in the Naquin trade. They're, they're in, I don't take any prospects seriously until they hit double A. And then look at Mike Vazel. Great at double A, dominating, goes up to Syracuse, got bombed in his first start. You really don't know until you start to hit, hit big boy competition what's going on. You really don't know. So uh, I don't know what really is down there that's, you know, there's this guys that will help. But you just don't know. You have no idea what to expect out of these players until they face big boy competition. So that's where we're at right now. The R word. And it's an ugly word, and it's not a word that we expected to be talking about this soon. I thought in the next three years coming into the season, there might be a time where we had to think about that. But I thought, with at least within Buck's contract, I thought that that wasn't something that we needed to talk about. I don't think there's any big trades that can be made. We talked about the no-trade clause and some of the skepticism if another team was approached with Scherzer and Verlander. Alonzo would be the one name. Difficult to see the Mets going that route. But look, if somebody comes with a – and that's the thing with prospects. Are they are they toolsy prospects or are they legit, you know, guys that could help this team in the next, you know, year or two? Not guys down in low A with tools. You know, when you trade a Alonzo, you need some real blue chippers to come through here. And you need some pitching. That's what you would be doing. And let's also remember, power like Alonzo's is not something that grows on trees. Once you trade it, it might not be that easy to go out and get it again. You know, he has an elite, maybe best in the league, maybe second to judge, if you want to argue this, elite, elite power. Now, if we're in that R-word phase, the rebuild or retool, that's going to bum a lot of people out. I've seen, this is the most angry, and I, I looked, I, I, and I said this earlier, and I'll wrap up with this part. Because we're just going to do a State of the Union. No breaks, no nothing. Just want to go through here. I see people who are bummed out, really angry, angry at this team. You know, it's funny. This is the same kind of anger I saw last year when they you know, were trying to stave off the Braves. Team won 101 games. I didn't see the fan base enjoy that season at all. I didn't see them enjoy it at all. 
maybe that's a little harsh, but I thought maybe on social media, I thought there was a lot of people who did not understand how special of an opportunity was in front of them and how seasons like that don't grow on trees. doesn't matter who you are. I think for fans that are having trouble accepting where this team is at and the disappointment, maybe you take a break from them. I see people say, let's take a break from them. Watch them on condensed games on MLB app. Uh, you know, dive in and dive out, you know, because I think you're turning on the television or going to the ballpark and you're saying, well, today's the day they start to play like what we expect. And honestly, they haven't shown that at all. And you have to start to say to yourself, this is an inconsistent, probably 500 team that has components of it that should be better. They have it in them. The back of the baseball card indicates that they should get to that point at some time. But we're at, you know, we're almost halfway through the season. They haven't. What makes you think it will? Maybe they're injured. Maybe they're on decline. Whatever. So you really can't spend the rest of the season mad at this team. My advice is do what I do. You look at this team and you say, okay, what's next? How can you make this entertaining? You know, maybe it's seeing Senga's development. Maybe it's watching Alonzo go for 50 home runs. You know, being out a week, maybe hurt that a little bit, but maybe it's that. Uh, you know, maybe at some point there's a young player, you know, whether it's Alvarez, Beatty, maybe Vientos. You know, he went down, all of a sudden he's down there crushing. Maybe he's a, he's, he could be a 4A player. That's another conversation for another day. When Vientos gets back up at some point, if he's still with the club, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a guy. You know, those three guys you can watch and say, hey, let's watch their development. That's kind of where you're at. You know, there's there's not fun in that. That's not where you want to be, especially when you're watching, you know, teams that you hate, the Yankees, the Braves, the Phillies, maybe be in the mix. And you're going to have tons of people who love this. They hate Cohen. They hate the fact that he's wealthy and he can buy whatever he wants. This will be another indictment of, you know, all, all this time everybody wanted the Mets to spend. They didn't spend. Now they spend. They're going to lecture them on why they shouldn't. You know you know how that's going to go. So, you know, there will be some small things to take away, but it'll be disappointing to spend the rest of the season angry at what these guys aren't doing. That's just not being a healthy sports fan. I'm just being straight with you. I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm disappointed. What's next? You love baseball, you love the team. So try to find the things that are good about the sport that attract you to watching the sport because being angry about the situation that you're in, that's just not productive. You know, we could sit here the rest of the year and scream and yell, fire this guy, fire that guy, trade this guy, I hate this player. You know, all the crap you hear on talk radio, you know, the crap you hear about Lindor. I mean, now we're, we have people on talk radio talking about Lindor not buying McNeil a car for winning the batting title, a, a throwaway line that he threw, you know, gave to the media. You have no idea what that conversation is about. Maybe McNeil's not telling you anything. You know, maybe he doesn't want to talk about it. It's his personal business. Everything's not bad. Things are bad right now, but everything's not bad. Keep in mind this. You have an owner willing to spend who's very passionate. I don't think this season is going to change that. The contract situation, like I said earlier, not that bad. And as for firing Epler and Buck, there is nothing that Buck is doing or not doing that's causing this to be where it is. Bullpen moves, you could debate. Maybe you're debating some of Buck's bullpen moves. We did that last year. 
you know, maybe the biggest thing you could talk about is he's playing for tomorrow. Maybe he did that with Robertson. But I also think when you start to look at the age of the bullpen and how thin the bullpen is, especially after the dopey Drew Smith suspension, haven't even really got I don't even know if I want to talk about that. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. I think when Drew Smith comes back, maybe we'll get into that. I, I, I want to make this more about where this team is going. Uh, what's the matter? You know, is Buck, is another manager going to make McNeil hit the 120, 125 OPS plus that we expect of him? Is he going to do the same for Lindor? What, is he going to scream and yell it, yell it into them? Is that what another manager is going to do? Is another manager going to make Verlander and Scherzer pitch better? Is another manager going to all of a sudden have Tyler McGill and David Peterson become consistent back end of the rotation starters? Want to fire Hefner? Look, out of all the principals in this, Epler, Buck, Hefner, Hefner's the one that signed off on driveline or bring a driveline. He's the one that's responsible for the philosophy of pitching throughout the organization. If the pitching is failing or they're not developing, maybe that's the guy you look at. But we're not in under the engine, under the hood here, to look at what's going on enough. We don't have enough information to make that assertion. What we know is is the owner wants to win, but he also wants to give people some rope to hang themselves. You cannot start firing people capriciously, a la George Steinbrenner in the 80s, and then expect high-quality executives to want to come and work here. Pitching coaches, managers, whatever. They don't want to deal with it. In a game that's 80%, 75% failure, you know, the best teams, you heard what Billy Epler said, the best teams have about a 17 or 18% chance of winning. You're looking at north of 80%, you're going to go home disappointed in any given season. You can't start firing guys the first time the road gets rocky. So, really, this show, this State of the Union, was more about having an honest conversation. Having an honest conversation with those that are optimistic that say, well, this team is you know, not good, but look at all the good bones it has. Look at the back of the baseball card they haven't achieved. They could still sneak into the wild card. 52 and 39, I don't even know if that gets you in. So you're looking more 55 and 36. You might have to play 20 games over 500 to get serious about getting into the playoffs, and I don't see this team having it. Rebuild, I think we're not not a crazy conversation, but I don't think you do it during the Verlander and Scherzer time. So those that want to do the full-out, burn the house down, rebuild, I'm not saying you're crazy. Let's not go there right now. The middle-of-the-road people, I'm more in that camp. Maybe you retool. Maybe you see what you can get for the Robertsons, the Adovinos, the Fams. You know, you see maybe Canna. Escobar, you see what you could get out of guys who, you know, maybe you get maybe you get some bullpen help out of it. Maybe you get a good young bat that could be a component player. I don't think you're going to get a star, but look, you never know what you give up on a trade and what that player could become. So you have three people. You have the people that are overly optimistic. You have those that are wildly pessimistic in the middle. And we tend to try to stay in the middle here on this program. But we also got to be honest. Like, we can't be delusional. More than likely, in about 10 days or so, two weeks, we're going to be sitting down and having a show waving the white flag here, saying this is not happening. I really believe that. And that's utter, utterly disappointing. And I think the biggest conversation that could potentially play out, which falls more towards a, 
a raise and rebuild, but could be argued that it's a retool is, do you use Pete Alonso as some sort of transitional player where you go out, you trade him and get some kind of haul instead of re-signing him? I mean, you could always resign him when he's a free agent unless that team signs him to a contract extension. Is he the guy that could beef up the farm system, give you some quality quality and quantity in terms of a return? Because that's always hard. Quantity and quality don't always come back when you do those trades. I think it's too soon. I don't see that happening. But maybe that's a conversation that we can have. And then, of course, there's the eternal optimist that you could always say, look, write it out. Retool, take some some prospects from the guys you build, you know, you you sell off, and and then guess what? It'll become the winter of Otani, and we'll try to go out and get them. Makes it harder coming off a season like this, but the town in the checkbook is the town in the checkbook. So I've went on for almost forty minutes, so we're gonna wrap up here. That's my message to those that are in the audience. There's not there's not two extreme situations that I see happening here. I don't see this crazy run happening, even though there's back of the baseball card indicates it could. I don't think it's time to raise and rebuild the whole damn thing and see in five years. I think you have to stay the course in the middle, retool, see what you could get with some of the veterans that maybe are fungible. And until those Scherzer and Verlander contracts run out, try to win. But I do think one of the bigger decisions that have to happen is Alonzo. He's a free agent. He's expensive. And I think you might get more this year out of him than anybody else. So that's not something we go dive deep into now. We don't talk about that until we've waved the white flag, and we haven't done that yet here on the Talking Mets podcast. All right. want to thank everybody for tuning in for another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you throw an Apple Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Salat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Salat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I also want to thank the good folks from the fan side of Podcasting Network for their support of this show. I am your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody.
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.